Hey everyone, Nick Bradley here. Welcome to Scale Up for another Monday episode focused on business, focused on all the various topics that you reach out to me during the, the weeks and ask for some help with. Today, our topic is the perfect exit. Now, as much as I am a fan of scaling businesses, I'm a fan of turning around businesses. I'm not the best at starting businesses, but I appreciate that I wouldn't have a job in terms of what I do and what I love and what my mission is unless a lot of you out there started amazing companies. But if there is one topic that I like to talk about the most, it is the exit. The exit is the thing for me that when it happens for you, if you can create something so valuable that someone else wants to turn up one day and pay you a lot of money for it, then as a entrepreneur and business owner, for me, you know, I think that's the pinnacle of what we do because it's not about the money so much, right? I talk about a life-changing exit, but the life-changing exit thing is also about what it allows you to go and do afterwards. And a lot of the business owners that I have the privilege of working with, meeting, talking to, understanding their journey, they go off and do something else. They don't just, you know, retire and sit on a beach with a pina colada. You know, you can do that for a a few weeks, but most of the entrepreneurs I know get very bored doing that and they want to go on and make a bigger impact in the world. So for me, if I can help business owners scale to exit, a life-changing exit for them, I know that they will make life-changing impact on others. I've seen that to be true multiple, multiple times. So that brings us back to what is the perfect exit? If there is such a thing, and I think there is, I think there are some things that you can do to get massively ahead of what can be a very complex set of circumstances and a very, very complex environment with the, the different entities that come into it. But before I get into that, I just want to put out something to you, which is a bit of an alarming statistic. If you think about it, a business owner has somewhere between 70 to 80% of their net worth tied to their company. Now, think about that for a second. I just said net worth, right? So that means that a successful exit is the single biggest transaction, wealth event. We call it a capital event or a liquidity event, but a wealth event of their lives. Okay, so that makes sense, makes a lot of sense. You've put a lot of time into it. You've put a lot of money into it. You've invested, you've grown, you've scaled. At some point, you want to realize that and that might not only be able to provide financial freedom for you, but if you've done it well, it might be able to create a generational shift in wealth for your family. But here is, here's the troubling point. Only 20% of all businesses, you know, all different sizes, but 20% of all businesses around the world will actually sell. Okay, so 70 to 80% of your net worth, if you're a business owner, is in your business, but 20% of businesses sell. I mean, that's just incredible to me. And statistics are out there, and you can go out there and find them all over the place. A lot of the, the big accountancy firms do them, PwC, etc. But you've got something like 1,600 small businesses um, literally going bust or being closed down per day in North America. Okay, that's 1,600 small businesses per day. Remember, the definition of a small business is generating under $10 million in revenue. And that's not really that small, right? <laughs> you know, people who get to that very close to eight-figure mark, 
have got good businesses, good profitable businesses. So it begs the question, why is this happening? Why is it that these businesses aren't getting sold? And then obviously we want to get into what you can do about that if you're a business owner. So there's a few reasons. So the first reason is failure to reach scale. So in this new world that we exist in where there's a lot of uncertainty, you've got global pandemics, you've got wars in the Ukraine and all this sort of stuff going on, you've got so much pace of change with digital disruption, all that sort of thing. You've got this thing where a lot of businesses don't appreciate that scale matters, therefore size of business matters and the speed to which to get there also matters. So a lot of the businesses that are being closed down have been going 20, 30, 40 years. The world has changed around those businesses and many of them remain effectively lifestyle businesses, right? They're overly reliant on the owner. If the owner doesn't want to be there anymore, let's say, for example, they want to exit themselves, the business is too small um, for, for it to run without them, okay? So they haven't been able to leverage themselves out of the business, bring people in to run it, for example, So if they try and sell that business, they're effectively selling a job. Now, that works for some type of entrepreneurs. Acquisition entrepreneurs sometimes want to buy businesses so they can end up going in there and running them. But as an investor, it doesn't work for me, right? And it doesn't work for a lot. That's why a lot of the businesses are just what we call subscale. The second reason is that there is usually a what we call valuation misalignment. So think about it. If you've been spending 30, 40 years of your life in a business, you want to get some value for that. Sometimes you think your business is worth a lot more than it actually is. Like a small business that's generating in the early seven-figure mark. So let's say it's making about half a million in profit. That's only going to be worth somewhere between two to maybe maximum four times that profit. And quite often it's in the two to three range, two to three times. So a lot of business owners, they find that out and they they think it's worth more and therefore they get quite stubborn and they walk away from opportunities when in reality they need to be open-minded to that. So the first part is the price, the valuation of the price, and then sometimes the terms of the deal. So again, a lot of these businesses get closed down because people aren't prepared to buy them and put a lot of their own money in. They'll leverage other people's money, but they'll try and do these deals on what is called seller or vendor finance, where the seller of the business is paid over time from the profits in the business. And a lot of business owners don't understand that as a mechanism and they think they're being ripped off or something. But the reality is most business sales or transactions have, you know, a a percentage of the price that is paid upfront of the valuation and then a percentage which is deferred. But there is a lot of, I suppose, miscommunication around that concept as much as there is misunderstanding that that actually is how these transactions happen. Then you go into the third point is poor or what I call non-existent financials. A lot of smaller businesses are just not financially set up very well. They don't do proper management accounts. So if someone then comes in like myself to buy a business, you know, I'm not going to put a heap of cash or risk, my own risk, my own capital risk into a business that I can't see firstly how it has performed over the last three or four years to then project if it's going to be a, a really strong, even a going concern, something that I can then scale up over the next few years, okay? So I've, I've gone into businesses before, which got fantastic brands, great customers, great cash flow, but they can't demonstrate any rigor around the management of that cash flow. So therefore, it might as well be non-existent. There's too much risk because I can't see it. 
Then that takes to the next point, which is very similar to, the, to that one, which is complications with due diligence. So if I can't go and you know kick the tires and make sure that the thing's not going to fall apart as soon as I drive out the lot using the sort of the car metaphor, then I'm not going to pay much money for it. So, you know, then the owner thinks, well, hold on, it's worth more than it is, but you can't prove it is. It just becomes a very, very complex and not very nice, um, conflictive conversation. The big reason, the big reason though, is this no, no thinking about a transition or a succession plan. So particularly if someone's reaching retirement age, they want to sell their business. They want to go off and do something else. Time is more valuable to them than money. Their kids are off doing something else. Their grandkids are off being YouTube stars or whatever whatever it is these days. And they, they simply don't know what to do. And then they don't really get any external advice, which means they don't really have an exit plan and they have exit plan, sorry, and they have no defined process of how they're going to get out. So then all of a sudden, you know, that becomes stressful, becomes tiring, and they end up closing the business, which you have to appreciate also has a cost, right? If you have to make redundancies and, and close up different leases or whatever it is, sell inventory, sell stock, it's not going to be a great event for you, okay? So just wanted to kick off with that because you need to understand the context of the world we exist in and why scaling a business to exit intentionally has a great upside, but it has to be something that you absolutely do, right? You don't just let it happen. You've got to really get intentional about it. So let's move on. How can you sell a business? So what are the exit options? Well, there's two lanes here. The first lane is internal. The second lane is external. So you can sell a business, as I mentioned before, to a family member. That's basically like succession. You can sell to a shareholder. So that's like selling to a partner. You can sell to existing management. And that's sometimes called a management buyout or a management buy-in. And there are different options around that as well. And you can also sell a business to your employees. It's called an ESOP, okay? So these are all ways of almost handing the business down to someone you know very well in, in different guises. Uh, and, and it's a very valid way of selling, particularly a small business. And you can set that up a few years out. And I know it's a great way, particularly if you've had a management team or someone in the business who in the future wants to be a business owner instead of an employee, it's a really nice thing to set up. In fact, I'm working with a, a law firm currently where we are absolutely doing this, this transition. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a really nice thing to be involved in if everything lines up in terms of valuation, the expectations of the seller and obviously the person who's going to buy the business. The, the big paydays, however, come from a external exit. Okay. And you've got a few options here. You've got a third party sale, which I'm going to come back to in a sec. You've got a public offering, so an IPO. You've even got things like refinancing and recapitalization where you can effectively sell the business twice. It's a bit of a trick we do in private equity. I'm not going to get into it too much today. And then obviously you have liquidation, right, where you liquidate the business, which is, it's an exit option, but it's not the one I'm going to get into and advise on. So let's jump back a little bit to the third-party sale. So under third-party sale, you have two lanes in this. One is strategic. That's where you sell your business to a corporate entity. Uh, the other lane is financial, uh, and that's where I've played most of my career, and the big play there really is private equity. What's the difference between the two? Well, there are lots of different um, pros and cons, which I'm not going to get into today. I just want to talk about the fact that they exist. But strategic, you know, normally they will buy you and they'll bring you into an entity. They'll look to take out cost. 
it tends to be quite a favorable exit if you don't want to have to drive any additional performance because quite often you might be brought into a business you may not be required as much as the founder the ceo there might be a division that you're going to be put into and then you get assimilated into that um, and you know it just depends but like you know if you think why does a strategic or a corporate buy a smaller business well they buy it sometimes because they want the people right they want the staff or the or the culture whatever you've created they want the product that you've created they want the market fit they want the geography those sort of things and it's quite often quicker to buy a business that's done all of that hard work but is subscale and then they can bring in their resources to scale up right really really powerful way of doing things the financial side, and I'm going to focus here on private equity, is where you can make a lot of money, but the expectation is that you are going to you know, go in there and take some money off the table when you sell the business, but then you're going to drive to a next exit. Now, as the founder, you might stay around for a little while and have what is called an earnout, and the private equity firm or the financial um, firm might bring in another CEO to take the business to the next level. That's a very, very common approach as well. But the multiples right now in private equity are just through the roof. And I'm going to finish today's episode talking about that. So if you have a business which is in the seven-figure mark right now, certainly if you can start to build into a seven-figure profit position, selling into private equity over the next three years is absolutely the opportunity you should be looking at. And I think that dynamic will last you know, probably probably halfway through this, this current decade, certainly certainly into sort of, you know, 2025, 2027, the next three to five years. So how do you orchestrate this? So the first thing, there's a number of points here I want to go through. The first thing is you've got to start with your end game and you've got to do what I call an end game assessment. There's two parts of this. One is you've got to get a valuation of the business as it stands today. Then you've got to work out what you want to sell that business for in the future and how much money you're going to take off the table through that transaction. Okay, so an end game assessment is partly what the business is doing, how that's performed, but it's also how you want things to be for you personally. Okay, I talk about a life-changing number created through a life-changing exit. It's all of those things, but it's, it's marrying that with the business performance so that you know exactly what you need to do in the business strategically and operationally to be able to realize that value at an exit in the future. Okay, so end game assessment, end game validation. You then need to assemble the team. It's, it's, it's what I call the deal team, but it's who is going to be responsible for driving the internal performance of the business and who is going to be external to that, almost like advisors who are going to help you with the orchestration of the exit. Now, my advice is if you want to sell your business, you should be planning, exit planning, 18 to 24 months out. So you should be bringing, you know, non-execs in, creating a board where the intention is to, to exit the business. You should be making sure you've got the right people in the business who are going to both drive the performance to the exit, but are prepared to stick around. And you may want to incentivize that. You want to make sure that you're starting to bring uh, experienced financial and legal M&A experts. So someone who's going to help you with the transaction legally, sometimes a fractional CFO coming in who has worked in private equity and led exits is a great person to come in. And you effectively start to do what I call, it's called sell-side control, but you're starting to think about the timing of the exit, the value you want to achieve, 
And what I always recommend is doing some thorough due diligence in advance. It's almost like doing a shadow due diligence process where you come in and you do all the due diligence that you'd expect a potential buyer to do on your business, but you do it first. And if there are any skeletons in the closet, you have time. Well, firstly, you know they exist, which is a huge step up from what I said beforehand. The businesses that don't sell don't do any of this sort of stuff. The ones that do sell absolutely understand it. Because once you know what those skeletons in the closet are, you can absolutely then go in there and fix things up, okay, with the time to do it instead of rushing around the last minute. The next thing is you want to orchestrate some buyer competition. So we're now sort of getting towards, you know, the actual, you know, the business is going to go on the market. Lots of people come to me and say, hey, Nick, should I go out there and and shop it? In other words, should I put it out there in in an investment banking or corporate finance firm and just have it put out everywhere, right? And there's two different approaches here. My view is I, I don't like to do that straight away. I like to spend that 18 to 24 months working out who the potential buyers could be in that in that time frame and starting to open up dialogue with them about partnership and strategic alliance and things like that before I'm ready to sell. Now, I had quite recently Simon Duffy on my show. He sold a brand called Bulldog in the UK. And if you get to the sort of 45-minute part of that, of that um, interview, sort of towards the end, he talks about having seven potential buyers And all of those were orchestrated, if you like, in the months before that exit happens. So my view is you want to get some buyer competition, but you don't want to do it at the last minute. It's something that happens through that exit planning process. Then as you go through that and you obviously you find someone or a set of people who want to buy you and you get into negotiations with one. The other thing that underpins a perfect exit in my mind is what I call cash maximization at close. So in the world of PE, we will always pay a closing payment to the founding team or the founder, the business owner. And then there's a percentage of deferred payment. Now, you want to get as much of the cash up front as possible, not because you're not going to see the deferred payments, but cash in the hand is worth exactly two in the bush or whatever the, the expression is. But you want to have that as much as possible, right? So again, if you get ahead of the process, you can negotiate that early on And therefore, you are going to be taking out more of the value, more of the consideration as early as possible, okay? Earnouts, when they happen, can sometimes be two, three, four, five years. Usually, usually two to three is the average. And you want to basically get as much cash out before that, minimize the deferred payments. And if you have to go into a deferred payment model, which you would if you sold to private equity, you want to make sure that that earnout is time-based, not performance-based. Time-based means you've just got to sit there for two or three years. Performance of the business is not really, you know, determinant on what you're going to get paid. If you stay there for that period of time, you're just going to get a check or a few checks, okay? Performance-based means, you know, we looked at the financials. You said the business was going to grow like this. We're going to pay you this. And then we're going to defer these payments based on you hitting those ratchets, those performance targets over time. Now, of course, you don't own the business anymore. You might still be running it. If things change, the PE firm changes the goalpost, the market changes, then whatever is deferred, you have a risk of not seeing, okay? So that's why that cash cash maximization at close is important, and that's why that minimal um, earnout or deferred payment is important. And this is where we get into the negotiation of what is price, valuation, versus the terms of the deal. 
Okay, and the last point on the perfect exit is tax mitigation. So no point selling your business in a rush when you haven't got tax advice well and truly in advance. And sometimes it takes a couple of years to set up your own personal situation so that you can eliminate, minimize, or defer any tax liability that comes from creating such a big liquidity event. So lots of different points there. I could have gone deep into every single one of them, but I'm losing my voice here as as I'm talking anyway. But what you really got to understand here is a proper exit plan is not something that just happens randomly. It happens through intention. And that's why the, the amount of time you give yourself, that runway is important. Understanding what the business needs to be doing internally, financially, all of that sort of stuff is important. Having a great team around you is important. Going out there and literally hunting the potential buyers is important. And then when you get into the whole deal itself, how you negotiate, what you take off from day one, what gets deferred, all of that, how comfortable you are with all of those pieces is a huge, huge part of everything. Okay, so if you take anything away from this today, the perfect exit is something that you control. It's something that you plan. It is not something that happens when you build a great business and someone knocks on your door one day saying, oh, are you interested in selling? That is not the way to do it. Okay, lots here today, everybody. (laughs) Hope you're enjoying it. Last piece. So why should you be considering an exit over the next 36 months? Well, certainly at the absolute maximum of the next three to five years. Well, right now, you've got more buyers out there in the market than sellers. So private equity, as I mentioned previously, is driving up demand. 2.6 trillion US dollars sitting in US-based PE firms right now undeployed. A lot of money being held back because of COVID uncertainty, that sort of thing. You've got the corporates or the strategics, as I mentioned, they're looking to acquisitions to mitigate slow organic growth. And they're also looking to bring in talent. A lot of people don't realize that Apple did something like 100 acquisitions over the last two years. And a lot of that was not because they were buying the financials to try and build a bigger empire. They were buying the talent. You know, it's hard to recruit these people away from some of these startup businesses. So for someone like Apple, they buy that in. Okay. As I mentioned, valuations are through the roof. They are sky high. You're seeing sellers realize these record valuations. In fact, if you look at Q3 2021, multiples hit the highest level this century. And again, it comes back to this, you know, buyers and and sellers, demand supply, and the fact that good, strong, profitable quality businesses haven't been out there at scale. Okay. And that's why obviously that does push up the valuations. The other thing that's interesting, again, for business owners is that money is quite cheap right now. I know as I record this, you've got different uncertainties around inflation and recessions and all that. But banks are looking to put their money to work in the same way the PE buyers are. Okay, So if you're a business owner right now, particularly one that's in the seven-figure range, you should be leveraging capital to grow faster, whether that is taking debt and investing that in marketing or doing what I recommend, which is buying other businesses, you know, partnering, acquiring, all that sort of thing you've got to be thinking about how you leverage debt to drive growth. Because if you think about it, cash is cheap, right? But valuations are high. If you can get intentional over a 36-month period, right, where you actually then invest but then sell significantly up the chain, the return on that capital invested is just phenomenal, okay? I can't impress enough on you how I've never seen it like this in over 20 years sort of in this game. Okay, and the last point really is that as, as people get a little bit more confidence after the, the pandemic, you are going to see some 
what I call equilibrium happening. So as confidence increases, more businesses will go on the market, be listed. That means that there'll be more good quality businesses, you know, post this next three to five year window, which then means the valuations will come down. So that's why I talk about doing it now if you can. The other thing you've got is you've got, as I said, all the baby boomers who are reaching retirement age, 10,000 per day in the US. A lot of the businesses are good profitable businesses, but subscale. So two opportunities here. You can acquire them. You can use the financial leverage that you get from those acquisitions to build value in your business. And then you can sell up the chain to those strategic and financial buyers. Okay, that is the play. And I talk about it all the time now because for me, this is what I'm doing with the businesses that I look to acquire. We're looking to roll them up and sell them because in terms of wealth creation, financial freedom, all of those super super things that are, are so great that I mentioned at the very, very beginning of this episode, now is the time to get on that and, and plan that exit so you can absolutely live life on your terms. All righty. A lot in this today, okay? The perfect exit is not just about selling when someone knocks on the door. It's what you plan well in advance. I hope this has served you today. I hope that even if you're not ready to scale to exit now, you can bookmark this episode and at some point in the future, come back and listen to all the bits and pieces because there is a lot of things here that will make a massive difference for you when the time is right. Alrighty, as I always say, Be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Thank you very much for listening today. Bye for now. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you enjoy the show just as much as I enjoy creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me. It helps the show. Plus, it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything you heard in today's show or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.